Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theatre masters, founders and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Welcome, Jill Eichmann, to Improv Interviews. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Margot. I've listened to a few of your, your podcasts. I want I want to do more. I want to deep dive and binge them one day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Thank you for asking me. This is I'm I'm amongst a, a beautiful collection of improvisers, yes. Yes, you are. And <laughs> you're a beautiful improviser. I had the good fortune to meet you in person at the Queen City Comedy Festival and take a workshop with you. And I was blown away. It was... Oh. It was so good. And of course, one of the things I like is quiet and using the body and spolen. And all of those things were embodied in your workshop. So thank you so much. It was fabulous. So you're in North Carolina right now. Yes, I am. I'm in a suburb of Raleigh called Cary. Um, and kind of the, we're in a in a new season of my life or our life and our family. So we're wanting to be kind of closer to our East Coast family in Florida. Um, and so and my my daughter started kindergarten last year. And we, wow. Yeah, we wanted to get her get her going in a really great public school. So we found a really good great public school and we're very happy with the choice out here yeah so oh, that's wonderful yeah. yeah well well when you come to florida you need to be okay. near naples uh <laughs> yeah yeah so we definitely have we have family in orlando uh my my husband is a disney kid he grew up at disney <laughs> so we have a lot of connection to to, to to disney world but uh his family's needing his his parents are kind of in that uh, older age bracket, so we're wanting yeah. to be closer to them. Yes, absolutely, that's great. But you relocated from the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. So we're kind of what we're calling a like bicoastal life, work life these days, which is like I never thought was possible. But the pandemic, you know, kind of taught us that that you know more is possible. It's really interesting. While things were taken away from us, we also learned to pivot in this really interesting online hybrid remote work situation so we're, we're able to do that right now so my husband and i go back and forth uh, once or twice a quarter to san francisco to you know do what we need to do as leaders um, but a lot of my work these days is managing other teachers um, you know, just big picture thinking with the company in San Francisco. Um, and then also just like a lot of arts administration work, you know, so right. it's, like, it's very possible for me to do my work in this kind of remote way. So I never thought that was possible as a theater artist, but it is. <laughs> it is. It's wonderful. Now, tell me a little bit more about Leela and not, not everybody knows about your theater. Yeah. So we're introducing you to my audience. And uh, what does Leela mean anyway? 
Yeah. So yeah, this is a question I get all the time. It's like, are you Leela? Is are you a character from Futurama? Like, what's going on? Like, you know. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. Uh, but we chose the name Leela. My husband, like my husband and I, started the company back in two thousand three, and you, we often joke that this was our first baby. You know, when we were in our twenties, um, uh-huh company together. And I was reading the book Free Play. Are you familiar with Free Play by Stephen Nakmanovich? No, but I have to get it on my reading list. Ooh, yeah, it's a great deep dive just in, in improvisation as an art form that touches many art forms. So it's not just theater, but it's music, it's art, it's, you know, dance, like, you know, visual art, all sorts of things. Um, in the first uh, paragraph of his book, I was reading his book at the time while I was searching for this name <laughs> for our company, our first child. Um, and he talks about Leela, uh, which is Sanskrit for play. Um, and deeper than the English word play, um, it means divine play. Um, and at the, yeah, and at the time I was going through graduate school at a very holistic, uh, holistic uh, master's program in drama therapy, uh, which had this really beautiful spiritual um, component to the program. Lovely. And I was really diving into my own spirituality and I was like, oh, divine play, you know, it's yeah. not just play, yeah. it's divine play. And that just really spoke to me. And then I also love that it's traditionally a woman's name. You yes. Know? Yeah. So like Chris, we're having a girl. <laughs> and this is going to be a feminist improv theater company, you know. And I was just, I was coming from, you know, a very kind of male-dominated training. I trained at Upright Citizens Brigade in New York. Met like many of us, you know, who did improv, you know, in the '90s and in the aughts, you know, women, we, uh, at least female-identified women, were you know, few and far between. And I wanted to bring like more of a feminine energy to Wonderful. the work that I did. So they, it just checked all the boxes. I was like, yeah. divine play and feminine and bah, you know, I was like, this is our name, you know. Um, and for and for me, improv was much more than, you know, improv comedy. It was right, right. improv as an art form. Um, and I kind of dive deeper into this, this, this word Leela. Um, my husband studied um, some, uh, went through this music healing program um, and studied a lot of like classical Indian music and yes. has like Sanskrit vowels. Uh, and it's all about these words evoke feelings and res, you know, resonates in your body and in, you know, in the room when you're, when you're singing these Sanskrit seed syllables. And I was like, oh my God, Chris, Leela, like, like just say it. It, it makes you feel playful, you know, it's just like, yeah. like it opens your mouth and your eyes widen when you say it. And I was like, this is it. This is it, <laughs> you know, and it's it's a beautiful word. And I and I'm always trying to go back to that word uh, and remember, like, what that means to me when when I'm getting yes. about our mission with our company. It's like, oh, it's 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 that connection. It's that resonance yes energy of play it's like intangible you know yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's beautiful way before i got into improv i was into the power of play i had gurus like matt weinstein joel goodman uh oh. bernie de and oh. so i came through playing 
helping adults play. And so improv was like a natural transition. So um, I want to go back um, and go back into your childhood and ask you what you were like as a kid, um, what your family was like, if you had brothers or sisters and your parents, and just a little bit of your family history, Jill. Being a therapist, we're not going to do a complete psychosocial. I know. know. I've thought a lot about it, you know, as a therapist and as an improv teacher, like what, like helped me gravitate towards this field of play, you know, why have I gotten so interested in it? Um, So I'm a middle child um, and I was a a baby for 10 years of my life. And then my parents had, you know, you know, an oopsie baby. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 10 years after me, <laughs> which is my brother. Um, but I feel like, you know, that that birth order, I really like um, resonate a lot with that birth order, birth order theory of like, I had so many of like the last born traits of like, look at me, you know, like pay attention, to me, <laughs> you know, of the baby of the family. But then I also once I became a middle child, I also kind of got some of those like, um, middle child things which is like the peacemaker you know like noticing what's going on in the family helping out a bit of a caretaker um i was really interested in child development like through my brother you know just watching him like grow up and learn was like just fascinating to me so i became like you know a babysitter all the time (laughs) you know like i was just like you know junior mom in a sense both my sister and i were um so i think that fusion of like watching him play and like playing with him like i was his favorite playmate like was just so much fun for me you know um and then it fused with like my interest in theater and drama too. So I think that's a big part of who I am as an improv teacher. Like I love to play. I love to watch people learn how to play. Um, and I love being on stage myself. <laughs> oh yeah, who, who doesn't? Who doesn't? I recently had an opportunity to be in a reader's theater production down here in Naples uh-huh. and I hadn't been on a stage for quite a while. And the laughter and the applause you yeah i like it so were you either of your parents in the arts i mean and when did you get interested in in acting and playing and singing and dancing totally yeah so my parents were very like a type eldest children you know um it's interesting with my dad and learning more about like going through therapy school and kind of learning more about my dad's childhood Uh, my dad grew up with a mentally ill mother Um, His mom was, yeah, his mom was in and out of like psych hospitals and he was the eldest child in his family and the eldest boy. And he often felt like this role of like, I need to take care of my sisters or I need to take care of my family. Um, And so he, his, he would always talk about like when his mom was around, he wasn't sure if she was happy or sad. You know, like it was always like trying to always navigate cues. Like, is she happy? Is she sad? what's going on um, and emotions were really scary to him you know so he like the way he metabolized that like growing up was he shut off a lot of his emotions and he went into his brain <laughs> and you know he he's an engineer you know he really excelled in math and science he got into computers um, and then I grew up in Texas um, where um, 
my dad was part of like what I, I I'm finding out now was kind of like the Silicon Valley of of Dallas. Wow. You know, like yeah, like it was almost like Silicon Valley age back there back then in the 80s where PCs and computers were kind of starting. Um so he had a computer business uh where he sold uh computers to other businesses, kind of like a BDB B2B business, you know. And um and my aunt moved to Texas too to work with him. So it was like another family run business, like kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm doing a similar thing. Um, so my dad had this family run business and he was very, like very focused on this, like, like achieving things and having success. And, you know, he was very much into entrepreneurship. Um, and then there was another company that took him to court and they had more money and better lawyers and, you know, they lost the business through this whole court process. Oh. Um, so we went through like a really hard time as a family um and then my dad decided during this time because he was trying to apply to jobs and there was a huge recession going on couldn't get any work so he decided to go back to school so he got his phd in um, entrepreneurship and international business so he was going to school working my mom was working full-time as a dental hygienist we had a new baby on the way <laughs> it was just <laughs> a lot it was a lot you know and i remember at that time feeling like like there was just so much anxiety and stress in my family during that time and feeling like I had to like make the family happy. Right. You know? you know, and so like that was like my role in the family. If we go back to like family systems theory, you know, like I definitely had that role of like, I need to entertain, I need to make the family happy, you know, peacemaker, make everybody happy. So when people were too stressed out, it was like, look at me, let me entertain you. you know? <laughs> a lot of that. I wanted to be a clown when I was a kid. I begged for <laughs> clown college. <laughs> you know, like, a lot of that. A lot of that was going on for me and my family. But my dad um, went back to school. And then once he got his PhD, he um, was starting to apply for jobs, you know, trying to get his first professor jobs. And he got an offer at Florida International University um, in Miami. Uh, so my family moved to Miami from from Plano, Texas, a suburb wow. of Dallas, <laughs> to, <laughs> to Miami, Florida. Big, big change for the family. Yeah. Yeah. A, a culture shock, probably. Yes, yeah, definitely. So I definitely learned a lot um, and in that move. And um, I also moved to Miami post Andrew, Hurricane Andrew, like a year after. And a lot of my friends told me stories of like the tragedies, mm. you know, the destruction of homes and all of that. So it was an interesting time to be in Miami because it was like a rebuilding right. time for, yeah. for that city. Yeah. So I went into a lot of details about lots of things. Did I answer your question? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and I, were either of your parents involved in the arts oh, at all? Right. right. Um, so my dad, I is was he always said he was introverted. Like he definitely went into his brain um, and he never like studied any arts or anything. But I always thought of him as insanely creative, you know, like um, he would play Barbies with us all the time. <gasps> You know, yes. Wow. Um, and he would um, like I remember when my brother was little, my brother was really into like little army men, you know, and so he would like set up these little army men with him, you know. Um, but what was interesting about my dad <laughs> is my dad was really into edgy 
like very edgy humor. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so like we watched a lot of like stand up comedy, probably stand up comedy I shouldn't have been watching when I was right, a kid. Right, right. Um, and like I stayed up super late as a kid sometimes to watch Saturday Night Live. So like we like really loved comedy as a family. And then my dad would kind of infuse that edgy comedy into our play sometimes because he thought it was, you know, he thought it was funny. <laughs> That, like his little kids like had this edgy comedy like for example like uh in texas there was this like waco standoff going off going yes off. yes i remember Awful, and my dad yeah. was like obsessed with the news and like watching it so he would like set up my brother's army men with him to like to represent the standoff <laughs> like things like that <laughs> and my brother had no idea what he was doing you know like so that's just an example of like bringing like humor into our play that's so you know? funny it's yeah. so funny. So when did you start acting or being in plays? Yeah. What was that? When was that? Yeah, so um I would say probably like like 10, like 9 or 10 maybe. Yeah, I started doing stuff like so my family was definitely like a TV family. Like we watched a ton of TV. Like we were obsessed with TV. Um I have different thoughts about that. I don't know how much of that was like good, how much of it was bad or neutral, <laughs> you know, but we watched a ton of TV. Um, and so I remember my parents being like, oh, Jill, like she needs some activity in her life. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we need to get this girl moving. She's like, you know, kind of turned into a couch potato. Um, so they started doing like dance and like sports with me, which was fun. But then I think they had this idea of like, oh, she likes team stuff and she's very creative so maybe we should like set her sign her up for an acting class you know so that that really that really thrived for me that was like a big choice but i think it stemmed from just like getting me out of the house and away from the tv <laughs> <laughs> you, do you remember your first performance oh my first performance well this is funny like i can't remember if i was doing acting classes at this time like theater classes at this time or not but because of the like interest in like comedy, like stand up comedy, and yeah, like yeah. we would watch Saturday Night Live and all that stuff. In fifth grade, I did my first and last <laughs> stand stand up comedy show. <laughs> yes, I did, a, I did a stand up at like a fifth grade graduation. Uh, we had this graduation show. Um, and I remember it because like the teachers always thought of me as this shy kid. Like I was really like afraid right. of like you know, breaking the rules or getting in trouble at school. And I was kind of shy and timid, but with my friends on the playground, I was super outgoing and playful, you know? Um, so like a bunch of my friends had these like, you know, dance, choreographed dances with yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. green yeah. neon outfits of the eighties <laughs> and scrunchies. They all wanted to do that kind of stuff for the talent show. And I was like, nope, I'm gonna do something by myself. <laughs> I'm going to do a stand-up routine. And I made fun of all of the teachers. I like did in yes, I like did imitations of all the teachers. I like You did you a parody sketch. I know. And I'm like thinking back on these times of like I was brave. Oh my god, like how brave I was to like do this. And then I remember after like it like it was great. People loved it, you know, like I remember feeling like, oh, people enjoyed it. They laughed, you know, it was a great experience. And then the teachers came up to me afterwards. And this was like fifth grade graduation, no more school. You know, I was like, right. I couldn't get, get in trouble. Right, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then, but I didn't think about the teachers coming up to me afterwards. And I remember like one, this one teacher who I kind of made fun of, you know, like came up to me 
And I was like, oh, like, oh my God, what is she going to say? Oh my God. And she was like, she gave me this huge hug and she's like, you were amazing. I had no idea. You had this comic thing in you. Like, I had no idea. And I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. So I remember that performance. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So, and there were a lot of good acting schools in the Miami, in Miami oh. area, I think. Well, th at this time, when I was in fifth grade, I was in Texas. I was oh, in Texas. Texas. Okay. But when okay. I moved to Miami, yeah, there were some. There were definitely some. Um, uh, I went through, like, kind of a hard time in high school because I um, just, like, I didn't have any confidence, you know? I was making friends for the first time. Um, there was a school called um, New World School of the Arts in Miami that my parents kind of like as we were moving, they were like, Jill, you could apply to this school, you know. And so that was kind of the plan, you know, I would start at this this public school. And then when it was time to audition, kind of halfway through the year, I would audition. But I just got so nervous and insecure, uh -huh. like I decided not to audition. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do any acting in high school? Yeah, I did. There yeah. was like definitely like a theater club at my high school. Um, and I remember too the 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 effect of Andrew because um our school auditorium was destroyed in the hurricane. Um and the school didn't have the funds to like rebuild it. Um so that was kind of frustrating. Like us the theater kids were like, We don't have a theater, you know? Um, so we all like as a as the theater classes decided to like build out like a little tiny black black box in our classroom um and the teacher kind of helped us with that and like so like our, our what i do remember about theater um in miami is like the students like like we wanted stuff yeah you know? yeah for stuff and they'll and the parents like a lot of the parents of the kids were like we're gonna make this happen for you we're gonna help you you know yeah. we like made things happen with limited resources which right. taught me a lot <laughs> you know taught me a ton about what it's like to do theater you know it's kind of like all it, resources yeah. it reminds me of an old mickey rooney movie we're gonna get in the barn and build our own theater yeah we'll put on a show yay yep. yeah <laughs> now, exactly. now wasn't Wee herman on when you were growing up or not do you yeah, remember watching so. Wee? yeah yeah i remember the big chair and the like yeah that yeah, he sat in uh-huh influence anyway so um so you're in high school and then what what do you decide to do about college yeah so um in college like again i was i was pretty insecure a lot of us when we're teenagers yeah. oh my I god big, yeah <laughs> i had big dreams i got cast and i got cast some good roles in in high school um i was also part i was in a, a relationship a long-term relationship with this other guy in our theater program and he was kind of the king of drama and i was a bit of like the queen of our drama class uh -huh. but he would always like beat me out of everything <laughs> You know, and so we, I always had this kind of like thing with him, like he was, was getting like scholarships and like offers and like all this kind of stuff. Um, and then I wasn't, you know, and then we had some issues in our relationship too. So we eventually like broke up and I felt like I needed to kind of get away from him, you know, uh -huh. um, where he went to school at Florida State University, which is kind of considered, you know, the big, one of the big theater schools. And he got in and was offered a scholarship and all this stuff. Mm. And I was mm. just, I can't, I can't go to FSU. Like, I know it's the better school, but I got to get away, get away from him and like form my own identity, you know, and form and find my own place. Um, so I decided to go to University of Florida, which was like a state school. And I, there was a program in Florida called the Florida Scholars Program. So like if you 
got a certain GPA and you got a certain score in your SAT and took these certain classes, you could get, you know, like a partial scholarship. And I got that going to University of Florida. So I was like, okay, like I'll go here. Um, and with their, with their program, I think it was actually a really good program for me because they didn't just like accept you into the theater program right at the beginning. They really wanted to see you like um, in classes and see how you learned and see how you participated in the classes and then audition and then see if you're a good fit. So they wanted to get to know you, you know, to yeah. see if you could do the, the audition BFA program. So I was like, okay, that feels right for me because there wasn't all this pressure on like just the audition. You right, know? right. So I did that and it worked, you know, like I got in. <laughs> so, and I think it helped me too, because I had so much nerves around auditioning. I had yeah, such yeah. auditionist complex about all that stuff. I would just like forget lines at auditions. I would get so nervous. Um, and then I did really well at my audition because I like prepared and got to know the teachers and they were supporting me through that audition process. So I got it. I got a, I got my BFA program, you know. Um, and then the other really awesome thing about University of Florida is that's where I started improv. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that was like a beautiful discovery because I didn't do much improv besides you know just like games that you do in theater classes and stuff but it wasn't like improv as an art form it was like improv as an exercise to help you be a better actor you know um so uh there was a club slash slash class on campus which was an improv class um and it was always taught by a graduate level student so um i didn't know that there was this whole mfa program that we had at our, our university too and there were some really great students in the mfa program um and so at the time it was led by this woman named heather roberts um and she was <laughs> um a self proclaimed witch and a witch master <laughs> um, <laughs> and a feminist and she looked like Rosie O'Donnell you know Ooh. like she just like had this like fierce like energy about her these like piercing brown eyes she just like imagine like a Reiki master and a witch teaching her. <laughs> That's Heather Roberts, you know, so she was this, this powerful woman, you know, and I and like I remember going to her classes and it was like going to church like she would just like have these like sermons at the top of class about how to like live an improv life, you know, like, uh, oh, and she was really inspired by Sark. I don't know if you know Sark. Have you ever heard of Sark? Uh -huh. um, she do you, do you remember those posters that were like how to be an artist? And they were just like all colorful and like primary colors. You ever uh -huh. remember those? Yeah. Well, Sark did a lot of these like posters and images about how to be an artist and like live an artistic lifestyle. And so she was really into Sark at the time. Um, and so she would kind of infuse a lot of like Sark philosophy, like live a juicy life and like walk a different way down the street, you know, and like, like just like fun little messages, like how to be an artist, you know, um, sleep you know, take naps, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like self-improvement, artistic lifestyle kind of stuff. So she would infuse that into like some of her like improv sermons at the top of class, which I, we would all just like, <gasps> you know, love this woman. She was that is so funny. So you got the bug? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was amazing because what she did is like, she offered this, this as both a class and a club. So people who were like in the theater program, like could get theater credit for this class yeah. but then it 
also attracted people from the whole university um, as a club, you know, so people in our in in the class slash club were like, you know, PhD students or like math students or architecture students, you know, like engineers, you know, like not just like arts people were in this club. Um, and it and there was no she put no cap on the class. So at one point it ballooned up to like 100 people. Like, and we were just like sitting in this upper lobby of the theater program, like all coming up the stairs, you know, and then she would lean on kind of the seniors the in the class to um, do like breakout groups. So it like kind of the structure of it, we would do this big group warm up together and she would do her like awesome improv sermon at the top, you know, and then we would break into different groups depending on experience, you know, so if somebody was brand new, they would, they would go with one group. You know, if they were more advanced, they would go with her and learn like long form and each and each um, breakup person would have a different theme to their class. So, wow, like, Ooh, we got like a lot of cool education um, and then it created such a beautiful community. Um, we would do shows around campus. Uh, she was really into social activist theater. So we would do like shows about like, you know, date rape and drugs and like and we would do like silly like short form shows around campus too, you know? So it was just like, we would always be building this repertoire to like perform and stuff. Yeah. Now you mentioned being introverted and shy mm -hmm. and anxious and all of those things. Did this start to change when you got into improv? Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely think I had a lot of like perfectionism stuff and I'm sure that comes mm -hmm. from like my dad. My dad had a lot yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, and just around acting, I felt like there was this like right way to do it, you know, like, right, right. like there, there was some key or some answer or something I, I wasn't doing and I had to find some right way to do it. But like improv, it was just like, my mind was blown. I was like, there's, you mean there's no mistakes? You mean I can do anything? <laughs> you know, like, just like, that was a huge thing for me. Um, and I also like kind of struggled with like an eating disorder too. Um, I would exercise constantly. I was mm. thin enough and I was getting cast in like ingenue roles, which were awesome, you know, in the, in the theater program. Um, but then I started noticing, I was like, wait a second, like, what's my objective in this role? <laughs> you know, I, I'm the objective. Like I couldn't find my objective. Right, right. Roles. And I would constantly be talking to the teachers and they'd be like, you know, mystified by some of my questions. I was like, I'm, I'm the objective. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know? Um, and so when I started playing in improv classes, it's like, oh, I could, I can be anything. I don't have to be an ingenue, you know? And so in this teacher who was a big feminist was just like, yes, Jill, like, <laughs> nice strong characters. And I started to, I started to become a character actor, not an, an ingenue. Like I started getting cast in character roles. Like I played Truvy and Steel Magnolias, my senior Ooh, year. Oh, yeah. It was like, but the first couple of years I, you know, I, I got, I played Costanza from Amadeus. Um, and like, I, I literally got cast the, they're in a, in a student theater production, a, a woman in our class who had written a play. I was cast as the ingenue. Right. <laughs> you know, like that was my title. <laughs> you know in my character role so it was a huge it was a huge learning curve for me with improv that i can be more than an object yes that's yeah. fabulous it's fabulous so when you got to have college what did you want to do where did you go next yeah. so part of our like little improv community like so many of us caught this bug 
um, and this was probably like the late 90s, um, a group of seniors, when I was a freshman, a group of seniors went to one of the first improv festivals in Austin, Texas. They all traveled to Austin, Texas as, as this college improv group. Um, my husband went with a, them too. Like I met him in college as uh, he was an improviser in our college group too. And he went, um, I didn't, I didn't go, but this group of seniors went, um, and, uh, their first class, what my husband's first class, like official kind of improv class was with Del Close. Uh, and his second class was with Sharna Halpern <laughs> and his third class was with Mick Napier, you know, oh my God. so these like Chicago teachers, you know, um, went to this festival and they were like exposed to long form for the first time. Like our college group was like, what is the Herald? Oh my God. <laughs> it was like just kind of becoming popular in the improv communities, like festivals. So all these seniors went back, took all this knowledge they learned from this festival. And we started doing long form together as as this this club class, right? Started just experimenting wow. with long form and doing long form shows. Um, and then when they graduated, uh, they all, most of them at least, most of them went to um, Chicago and studied at Second City and Annoyance and IO and all this stuff. And every time there was like a break, like a winter break or a summer break, they would come back and teach us everything they were learning. Yeah. So it was like we got this kind of, you know, college experience um, doing Chicago style improv. Wow. It was really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I started doing that. So when I graduated from college, it was like, oh, there's this tradition of a bunch of us just like moving to Chicago, you know, and I was like, maybe that's what I'm going to do. Um, but my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he moved to New York um, and we did like a long distance thing for a couple years. Um, and he went and studied musical theater um, writing at NYU. Wow. Um, at Tisch. Yeah. 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 at musical theater writing because he was a music musician, uh, wanted to study composing in a musical theater. So he went there and then kind of we were like talking like, are we going to stay together? What are we going to do when I graduated? Um, and I really wanted to go to Chicago because all my improv friends were in Chicago. Um, but then I was like, but there's there's improv in New York, you know, like I could I could do that, too. Um, and when I when I visited Chicago, I noticed there was a, a ton of sexism happening. You know, like there was a lot of like boys club stuff going mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And one of my good girlfriends was there and she was like, yeah, Jill, like this, it's rough. <laughs> like it's rough here yeah, you know yeah. and i was like oh i still want to try it but then i didn't notice it like as much in new york because i felt like it was more than than just improv in new york like you know if if i wanted to do just like straight theater i could do that if i right. wanted to do physical theater i could do that if i could wanted to do dance because i had a lot of like um interest in dance too i could do that so i was like yeah maybe i'll do new york and then there was upright citizens brigade that had just yep opened the past few years there. This was early 2000s. So I'm like, I'm going to go to New York. So I'm going to New York. Yeah. Wow. The road not take the road less travel, maybe for yeah. some improvisers. Now, Amy Poehler was there and Matt Walsh and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right when I started training at Upright Citizens Brigade, Amy had just got on SNL. So okay. she, wasn't, she wasn't teaching at the time when I started there, but everybody was like very excited. And, and that was exciting for me as a woman, too. I was like, oh, yes. my God like one of the co-owners of this theater company who's a woman got on SNL, you know? So that just, I was like, I'm in a good place. You know what I mean? Like I'm in a good place. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I went to a DCM, oh, 10 years ago, uh -huh. I, maybe DCM 14. It was fabulous and got to see ASCATs, which was nice. spectacular. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, you probably went quickly into main stage at UCB. No, <laughs> so this was my path. So I moved to New York in August of 2001. What happened in September of 2001, right? Yeah. So I moved there August of 2001. Mm. Um, I was taking classes at UCB. I met a couple guys in my improv one class um, that I just like connected with, you know, and we started doing some stuff together and like formed a little trio. But then when September 11th happened, it was crazy, right? It was scary. Um, my husband and I were living together in a, an apartment in Astoria and we saw the towers fall like for, like we look we're watching uh, it uh, we physically saw the towers fall in front of our eyes you know uh, and we you know we were he had just graduated from nyu um still trying to find his way as an artist and i was still trying to find my way as an artist we were waiting tables and cater waiting and we couldn't pay our apartment bills because nobody was traveling to New York. Nobody was going out to eat, <laughs> you know, like nobody yeah, was yeah. any fun. Um, so it was really rough. It was really rough. We're trying to spend our, pay our rent with credit cards, you know, it was just, it was hard. Um, and so I remember like just going through that time thinking, like, I know I want to be an actor, but like, I don't know, like my life is precious. Like I literally saw- yes yes my eyes like people perish in front of my eyes you know my life my life is precious do i really want to put all my energy into something that felt very selfish to me like i know acting now is not very selfish but at the time it felt very selfish it uh -huh. felt very self-consuming like i have to do all this work on myself to be an actor right. you right. know and and i was like and so much of what i did in college felt felt selfless like some of the social activist theater that we did as as a group um and then the way i remembered my teacher teaching she was just like very selfless like giving back i was like well maybe maybe i want to be like heather you know maybe i want to be an improv teacher um and i didn't really know like what that path looked like you know what yeah i guess you become a really good improv improviser and then you become a teacher but I don't know. It seemed like there was more skills involved with it, you know? Um, and I always, and I always really loved working with kids. So I started volunteering for this uh, organization called free arts. So we would do like some arts for kids that, you know, were impoverished or, you know, didn't have any extracurriculars in their life. So I started volunteering there and I was like, I found out through that free arts organization, I was like, Oh, there's this thing called art therapy, you know, like, I wonder if there's anything like improv therapy, <laughs> you know, like, so I just started kind of like going down a rabbit hole, like looking into that stuff. And I found out about drama therapy. Um, and I was like, oh, so you're used theater and improvisation and all these skills, you know, um, maybe that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I found out there was two schools in the country that offered a master's program. Um, and so there was one in, at NYU and there was one in San Francisco. Um, and I applied to both. I didn't get into NYU, but I got into San Francisco. And so, like, I remember having that conversation with my husband. I was like, do we want to get, do we want to leave New York? Like it's, 
it's kind of scary here, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. Well, that much, it's kind of scary what we've been through here. Do we want to get out of here? Um, and then we visited San Francisco together and it just felt so awesome. It's yeah. Like, like, cool, Beautiful. Big city. It, it just met. And I felt like it matched my energy so much more. Um, it's just like that hippie spirit. Like I remember taking classes at UCB and on our breaks, like I always had my shoes off being a dancer and stuff. Like I would always do improv classes with my shoes off and people would be looking at me like, what's, what's, what's with this Florida girl? <laughs> people would go take smoke breaks outside on the street and I still had my shoes off and they're like, uh, Jill, you probably should be sleeping on that. <laughs> but it's just like that whole, it just, there was a mismatch like energetically and culturally with me in New York, you know, but then when I went to San Francisco, I was like, this is a shoes off kind a place <laughs> you know i could be my hippie artist spirit. yeah 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 and wear so flowers in, and wear yeah. flowers in your hair exactly yeah. wear flowers in my hair. my hair so you get to san francisco and then what happens and then what happens oh i mean just that education was just amazing i mean it was incredible you know and i remember writing my statement of purpose for that school being like i'm not sure if i want to be a therapist you know like i, I want to be i think i want to be an improv teacher that like does a really good job as an improv teacher and like helps people through their challenges through improv you yes know? yes um so when i was going through the program like yeah it was a it was a program that helped you get the 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 qualifications necessary to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. So a lot of my classes were like marriage and family um, accredited classes. Um, and it was interesting to me, like I really interest was interested in it. And I was so ambivalent. I was like, I don't know if I want to be a therapist. Like, uh -huh. I know I want to be an improviser and I know I want to be an improv teacher. You know, I'm interested in all this other kind of stuff, but I was so ambivalent about the therapist role for a very long time. I'm st I still am. <laughs> Well, it just, it just, it just melds together. I mean, I have been a therapist for a long, long time yes. and I've been doing uh, seminars and workshops on play and laughter and things like that oh, yeah. using something called new games. Right. But at first improv class, I saw the therapeutic value yes. and I contacted a woman in Chicago that wrote the a PhD who wrote the first evidence-based research on using improv with anxiety. And it was right. like, yeah, yeah. So did you ever actually work as a therapist, Jill? Yeah, so I so I went I went through it. I got licensed. You know, I did all the checked all the boxes I needed to do to to get that license. I'm I see a few clients still um, through telehealth because I have a California license and I'm in North Carolina, right. so I see a, a few clients like that. Um, and I I don't know I don't know what it is about me with the therapy thing because it's like I I think what it is for me is I find improv to be so therapeutic that like putting this label on it, that it's therapy or not therapy, like it, it bothers me sometimes. I'm like, and, and I think it's because of the way I was taught as a drama therapist. I have, we had the, the, the person who developed our program in San Francisco um, really believed in this, like, sometimes when you make a theatrical intervention, or like a drama intervention, it's also a therapeutic inter intervention. Like it's two sides of the same coin. And sometimes when you do a therapeutic in intervention, it can also be a dramatic intervention, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's just like this very like holistic education of like, we're like, it's so integrated, <laughs> you know, that I don't like, 
yeah, yeah, that I don't like kind of separating it. Like, this is therapy, this is not therapy. Right, 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 right. Not improv. Like, I really like to see how it's all integrated. And I think that's what my ambivalence is. Is like, do we have to label everything? Do we have to call it this? Yeah, we just have our experience in like Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. So um uh you have this fabulous theater in San Francisco and you have wonderful instructors there. Yes. Yes. And and, and I think that I, I was kind of looking at our instructors the other day. It's like a lot of our instructors are like that are like me that way too, where they like have all these kind of like skills, like one person is a um a professional dancer, you know, kind of like improvised partner dancing. Yeah. Studying like uh, Jungian depth psychology right now. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I'm like, yes! And then there's another guy who came, came from the tech world, you know, was like a, a program manager at Google for many years, but then got into voice acting and then discovered improv through voice acting and is now a life coach. You know, it's just like, we're all kind of like, you know have all these multiple interests and skills which is really beautiful and talents and beautiful talents and and such a gift now um i've been to a lot i've talked to a lot of other improvisers and students and i found that a lot of them never heard of spolen i know and what i loved about your workshop was it was very spolen influence how did you come upon spolen was that did you come upon her in the beginning or when were you introduced to spolen because her her work is i'm sorry her work is so therapeutic that's the thing yeah yeah i'm trying to remember how if it if it happened in my undergrad with my that that awesome reiki master teacher right or it might have actually been in college in um grad school at the drama therapy program because we you know we had so many books we had to read and so many of the books we read kind of uh were some were improv books or just straight up theater books and some were more psychology books and some were a little bit of both you know so it might have been grad school because we took an improv i remember we took an improv class in grad school um and that teacher I believe he talked about spolin there there's an amazing teacher in san francisco named um armand volkas um and and he teaches playback like that, that's kind of his oh yes. yes yes playback's fantastic isn't it yeah but i remember him one of our assignments we had to do is we had to come up with a catalog of games so like that was so fun for me i was like oh, i get to write all these games down you know <laughs> like wonderful so, and i think some of the games were for spoiling games that i put in the in the catalog yeah, of games. yeah. 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 Well, she was a very spiritual person and very influenced by Buber and other uh, people of that ilk. Uh, I think influenced by Gurdjieff too, maybe. So uh, she came from that wander, wandering, exploring. So um, just beautiful. I love talking to you, Jill Eichmann. You are so enthusiastic and beautiful, and your gift has been given to so many people all over. It's it's just fabulous. Just fabulous. I wish you would do some online classes. Yeah, I need to do some online stuff. I think I I think like it was rough. (laughs) 
was rough, you know, doing online. And once we started doing in-person stuff, I was like, oh, thank goodness, yeah. you know, in person. But yeah, I understand. Maybe just put a class up. That would be that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. sign up. Nice. Yeah. So I know you've got a, a beautiful little girl yes. and a wonderful husband, and yeah. you're in actually a lovely environment in North Carolina. Yeah. So um what's on your plate next? Do you have any plans for anything? Yeah, so in North Carolina right now, we're 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 working on our like bicoastal expansion is kind of how I'm saying it because I you know we still have stuff going on in San Francisco and it's going strong. It's really exciting that things are going really well there. Uh, and I'm just kind of getting my feet wet in North Carolina and getting to know the improv community in Raleigh. There's a lot of cool stuff in Raleigh. There's comedy works. There's another um, company called Metalsome. I don't know if you've talked to any folks in the North Carolina. No. Um, so yeah, there's some really cool theaters there. And for us, it's like, we want to keep that Leela spirit going, you know, and so much of what we offer is that kind of holistic hybrid of what improv can be, right? It's not just comedy, you know? Right, right, right. Long form, like Metalsome is really great with long form. Comedy Works has more kind of a short form vibe. I was like, well, what is this like thing we can offer North Carolina that's like this holistic version of improv. Um, so we're trying to figure that out. Like we've been teaching some drop-in classes um, twice a month out of a space called Raleigh Founded, which is like a co-working space. Uh -huh. um, so getting a lot of like professionals, like people who want to work on their cool. presentation skills, um, people who just want to work on their social skills and meet people. So yeah, similar to kind of like applied improv. I think we're we're offering some of that through our improv classes and just kind of testing the market and seeing what people are looking for. So that's what we're at in right now. We're hoping to maybe produce some shows maybe once a month. Um, but I want to kind of get a sense of what the market is looking for. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, so people, I have relatives in Raleigh, and oh, I just, cool. and actually, uh, Durham, rather, and I, I just love that area. It's, it's yeah. wonderful, thriving. So what an honor to get a chance to get to know you better, Jill. I've you just too. enjoyed this so much. Oh, I want to think out more about Spolin stuff, like, oh, but, you know, maybe we can go to a Spolin class together or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or talk about Spolin, make another do another podcast on Spolin. Yeah, yeah Spolin yeah. works. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're just delightful. And again, I want to thank you for your time today. And do you have any words of wisdom, advice for somebody, a woman thinking about getting into improv? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something I like to tell like all my students, especially beginning level students, you know, when people first start improv, they're like, they're trying to figure it out. Like, what are the rules? How do I do this? What does this look like? And sometimes this can be kind of overwhelming to hear, but I, I think it's something that can really keep you through your journey throughout improv is there's so many ways to do improv. You know, there's so many like the improv is just this like huge umbrella, you know, and like to never think that the way you improvise won't fit or won't belong, you know, because maybe you're not into comedy improv or short form and that's cool. Or maybe you're not even into like long form and Herald and that's cool. And maybe you want to do playback, you know, or uh, silent improv or dance improv, you know, like there's so it's such a big umbrella and maybe you'll actually create a new version of improv, you know, so just to like, yes, remember, like there all these people who've done improv in the past, like 
they're just one of many, you know, and you might have something to say that's different from the rest of us. So just be open to that. Be open to what might emerge through this study of improv. Yeah. I love it. Well, thanks again, Jill. And sure. wonderful meeting you again and being with you today. And I think our paths will cross again. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Margo. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.